Hades presents M.L. Elric in Tales of the Texas Rangers. On stage tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another in the Wheaties big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring M.L. Elric as Ranger Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. For tonight, the White Elephants. You asked in a rocket, get your finger out, out of my juice. face. Get your finger out of my face. Take the first shot, then, if you want to get your finger out of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Albert? Hello, my good friends. It's your old pal, M.L. Elric, investigative reporter at Fox 2 Detroit. And today we were going to be joined by my old friend, Jim Schaefer, my old partner at the Free Press. But we have had to reschedule. We will probably try and talk to him next week because my shift got screwed around, got changed around, because I'm covering for Jessica Dupnack, one of the great colleagues I have at Fox 2, who was uh, eaten, almost bitten, I should say, bitten by a dog while going to a shelter to do a story on the shelter. And she has suffered a terrible infection and has been hospitalized, and it's all from some little dog bite. So uh, so we'll have Jim Whoa. coming on an upcoming show. Yeah, keep uh, Jessica in your thoughts. And What do, what do they say? Don't they say uh, dog bites man? That's not a story, but man bites dog is. Maybe uh, bites uh, reporter. insane pit bull uh, bites, kind-hearted and hard-working report. You know, it's funny. They send us into these places where there's just been a shooting, where somebody's at large, where there's a, a house that's burning, where there's a gas spill, <laughs> where yeah. you could die. But here somebody is in the hospital yeah. because... They went to do sort of a feel-good story that left them feeling... Oh, that's a beautiful dog. So oh, just look at him. On the bright side, this dog is available for adoption if anybody would like to uh, just send us an email. I think he heard his cause. Uh, of course, here we are back at the Soul of Detroit with Mark Fellhauer and Sean Windsor in studio. If you like the show, rate it. Uh, give us a review. We appreciate that. We're at, I think, 237 reviews. We'd like to get that number up higher. And if you subscribe, new episodes of the show will pop up in your inbox as soon as they're ready. We also uh, appreciate our sponsors, and you can be a sponsor. Mark, how can people get involved in this wonderful enterprise? Go to the lovely website, mlsoulofdetroit.com. Right on the top, there's a little button. It says donate. Click on there. Use PayPal. We'll take any or all of your money. Kristen and Patrick did. A couple people who, some expatriates and some lovers of new wave music, supported the show. We really appreciate that. We will be sending them some custom merch. And, of course, we appreciate all of our sponsors, First and foremost, Red Shovel Network sponsor, Dr. Yaldo, who has been doing LASIK for a long time. It's one of the safest surgeries in all of medicine and has changed the lives of millions of people by allowing them to get 20-20 vision. I've had LASIK. I have 20-15 vision. Uh, and that's without the hassle of poor performance of glasses and contacts. It's about freedom and lifestyle. And Dr. Yaldo is the number one LASIK surgeon in Michigan. He's done an incredible 30,000 people. They've trusted him to have their eyes fixed, and they've many of them have gotten better results than they hoped for. There's the Cat's Custom LASIK, which is the world's most precise, 
And it only takes a few minutes. It's painless, and you'll get to throw all those contacts and glasses in the garbage. Multifocal lens implants is for people 45 older. It frees you from your hated reading glass. It gives you precise far vision and will prevent cataracts from ever forming. You've got nothing to lose by seeing Dr. Yalda for a free evaluation. Tell him ML Soul of Detroit sent you, and you'll save $1,500 or more on your LASIK procedure. Maybe you just need glasses. Maybe you just need frames. Maybe you just need sunglasses. You don't have to get LASIK to become a Dr. Yaldo patient. Go in there, take a look, see what he's got. Let him know that ML sent you. We appreciate it. Keeps the show strong. You want to know more? Call 800-398-EYES. That's 1-800-398-EYES. Or go to YaldoEyeCenter.com. I love your eyes. Another one of our great sponsors is Hall Financial. I am a customer of Hall Financial. We're just about wrapping up the refi on my house they got me an incredibly low rate. And let me tell you something, they move fast. They move so fast that at some point I was like, I can't keep up with these guys. They want to get this deal done. They're very good about that. So if you're on a tight deadline, they're the ones you need to talk to. They're also a shovel. On, your house sucks. Red Shovel Network. They represent our entire network, all our shows. We really appreciate that. It's crucial to our survival that we have these sponsors because, you know, they basically pay for our time and all the infrastructure. David Hall is taking a chance in this new form of media. If you want to refinance your home, Hall Financial would love to save you money. You can email David at dhall at hallfg.com or call Hall Financial at 248-308-5000. Maybe it's your first home. Maybe it's your dream home. Maybe you just want to take some money out of your home. Give David Hall a chance and get lower rates, better options, and more personal attention. Hall Financial averages 19 days on the refi. The industry standard is 44 days. They'll fight for you even if you have a dent in your credit history. You can email D Hall at dhall at hallfg.com or call 248-308-5000. Tell them that uh, you were sent there by the soul of Detroit and you'd like to join your old pal ML as a customer. NMLS1467435. So, David Hall, thank, thank you very you. much. Yeah. So we, we pound on social media here a lot. I think rightfully so. They're inconsistent. Now, Facebook as if it's not enough trouble, is getting into cryptocurrency. So that's great. But I have to give Facebook a little credit because Uh they do sometimes, I mean, I hate these, you know, it's your friend anniversary, or it's, you know, (laughs) it's been seven years since you had a piece of peach cobbler. Here's a picture of your your last forkful and all that other crap that just, just, just sucks your time away. But they did remind me the other day, I kind of, you may remember on an earlier show talking about how he was really getting into uh, Pink Floyd again over Memorial Day weekend and you know, just really drilling down into into uh, Sid Barrett and Roger Waters and the dynamic with David Gilmore and, and Nick Mason. And they reminded me just right after we posted that show that my daughter had sung with Roger Waters at Joe Louis Arena on the second uh, leg of the wall tour. Because Roger Waters, when he goes to different towns, will try and find an inner city choir and have the kids come out for another brick in the wall. That's nice. And so yeah. So how, my, how old was she? She probably was uh, eighth grade, maybe. Was it a bigger thrill for dad, or was it a bigger thrill for her? Well, so the first time the wall came through, uh, one of my good buddies who really turned me on to Pink Floyd in college, we went to the show. I bought tickets. He flew in from Chicago. I spent way more than I wanted to to get on the main floor. Awesome show. I get home, and sitting on the desk, a piece of mail that had obviously come home weeks earlier, invited my daughter to come and sing at the show. 
And I was like, oh, my God, how could you miss this opportunity? She's like, I don't know. You know, it's just uh, more mail I brought home from school I forgot to give you. Does she understand now what a unique opportunity that was? Well, we're getting to that. Oh, okay. So, so then Roger Waters is coming back again. And I reached out to the group that sang with him before. I said, hey, we're doing this again, right? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, but we're having trouble getting, you know, the kids to come out. It's a summer night. My wife and I got every kid we could find to come out there. We put together a crew. It was fantastic. We were in the bowels of Joe Lewis. We, so we're on stage for the walkthrough, so that was cool. So Roger Waters is up there with all the kids, kind of giving them some instructions on how to move and what to do. Then we're waiting for the show to start, and Roger Waters is walking through, and he goes, Ah, oh, look at, that's great. Look at all the little kids with, with all their moms and dads. Nah, he's not really cockney, but anyway, um, <laughs> so that was really cool. Roger Waters sent down an autographed photo for each of the kids, autographed to the kid's name. So he took the trouble to get their name. And then when we all went up on stage, they allowed me to get in the camera well to to shoot some video. This is the first time I tried. I brought a little camcorder, and then I brought uh, my phone. This is the first time I tried to shoot video on my uh, iPhone. Mm -hmm. And for reasons, probably just because it was smaller, I decided to shoot the live performance with the iPhone hit the wrong button. Oh. As I'm watching, it's beautiful. Everything's framed up nicely. The light is perfect. It's great. When I went to go watch it afterwards, I had not recorded it. Oh. Very shameful. So, Did anybody record it? Did you get a copy of it I, I'm, I'm sure the production company did. But, you know, people in the back are recording it and posting it on oh, Facebook. Yeah. Not the same. No. I did get the rehearsal video, though. But So I mentioned this to, to Emily the other day. I said, hey, you know, this was five years ago. You are up there with Roger Waters. She's like... Ah, uh, he was so mean. I said, what? She said, well, and when I saw the picture they posted, she's right next to Roger Waters. I thought, oh, my God, how cool is that? And he's like, well, he was criticizing my dancing, and he was telling I said, you know what? You can't, <laughs> we can't talk to you damn kids about anything. Roger frigging Waters. It should know. be an honor to be criticized by Roger uh, Waters. The, the whole way home from the show, I had to explain to the kids, well, here's what the wall means. And you guys are kind of young, but in England, when oh, kids were your age, they had headmasters. Dad. And so some of the cooler kids Probably were like, made it worse. Some of the cool kids were like, I'm going to check that out. That sounds kind of, you know, I'm going to, I don't know. That's wasted. Wasted on kids. I can't wait to do that to my daughter, embarrass her, and oh. explain things like that. Over-explain things. It's going to be great. Well, someday. Well, you know, I guess I guess their lives are better than ours because I could totally relate to another brick in the wall when I was in school. I mean, I hated school, and there were certain teachers who would hurt the children any way they could. Ha! That's my dad. <laughs> and then uh, that also reminded me that I had been on stage with Pink Floyd many years before that as a photographer for the State News when they played. At the Palace, we were backstage. Sort of the general setup with these things is they let you shoot the first three songs and they say, okay, you're done, get the hell out of there. But I was thinking about that and I thought, God, these guys are so old. And then I realized I'm five years older oh, now no, than they were then. Than they were then. And Nick Mason, the drummer's back then, there's all these, you know, sort of cute chicks running around. I was like, what's this old man do with all these hot chicks? And I'm like, <laughs> go old man. It all man. makes sense now. Yeah, so I was kind of having a a flashback to my college uh, newspaper days, and we started talking about that, and there's some interesting episodes that happened uh, way back then. That um, Were you as cantankerous uh, with the student paper as you maybe were in your, or are now? I would prefer the term provocative. Sean, did you work for your college paper at all? I don't know. I'm trying to get past the Pink Floyd here. You don't what? like Pink Floyd? No. What? Really? It's not that I dislike him. I just, you know. 
I thought pink was your favorite it's color. Like, it's, like, it's like Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> well, oh. that I agree with you. I, I think Bruce oh. is so over. Bruce is so overrated. Yeah, Bruce is definitely overrated. But pink. Oh, okay. Well, this is this... so unique, Sean. Have you ever listened to him sober? I listen to him all the time. I listen to him in church. They keep telling me in the back, cut down the Pink Floyd, bro. We got kind of a cool church where the pastor calls. Are you implying that they're just a drug band? No, I'm just saying if you're going to go for, you know, pretentious, arty rock, listen to Rush. Ow. Not that I love Rush either, but no, Pink Floyd's fine. I'm just, oh, yeah, no. I'm just having fun with, uh, with Michael. Ow. I'm and, sorry. Uh, I, I fell asleep during that last segment, and yeah. I'm, just having, I'm just having fun with Michael. Fine isn't really a, a great review either. That no. band is fine. I, I thought I was the oldest guy in the room, but uh, Mel, Mel Brooks's thousand-year-old man just showed up. Where's Carl Reiner? Well, that was quite well. Look, I live in Ann Arbor, and I live in Ann Arbor. Most most of the homes I go into, that's that's what I hear, right? Pink Floyd, yeah, Dark Side of the Moon. Really, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was Bikram. Oh, the townies uh, in Ann Arbor, uh, you know, that's their band. Really, you don't even like Ann Arbor now. Sean is. It's fine. Ann Arbor is guilty. Ann Arbor is fine. We're getting to the guilty pleasures a little soon, but no. When I was at, at the college paper, I was uh, the police reporter, and I also would write occasional columns. And I was fairly provocative. I liked to listen stir to Pink the Floyd. Pot. I did like to listen to Pink Floyd too. But um, wouldn't that be something they would want you to do? Listen to Pink Floyd? No. Well, I would str- Stir so, the pot. Well, yeah, the college yeah. one. But so stir I, the pot. I wrote one column during Greek Week that caused 400 members of the fraternity and sorority associations to come in and get their state news tax refund, which really did not go over Good. real big. Why? So, well, because you exposed the truth. It starts out. Why do uh, fraternities even exist anymore? I don't understand it. It's for insecure people to come together and then either uh, abuse or to treat other people badly so that they feel like maybe they have no reason to be so insecure but of course wow. they do can't believe they wanted their money in special olympics yeah so they so this happened they do some good things but yeah so this well, column but- which i i unearthed last night starts out the last good greek was socrates so that kind of that kind of got us off on the wrong foot at least he was concerned about the welfare of his fellow athenians and not just getting his toga cleaned with Rush Week upon us like an unwanted boil, memories of all my fours in the MSU Greek fraternity system returned like a Gucci boomerang. Having lived in a residence hall infested with Grecian worms, not to be confused with Grecian urns, and having cohabitated with the Mediterranean, the Greek system was an ever-present menace, like the deficit unwanted and un- uncontrollable. Did you write this or did uh, Dennis Miller write it? No, th- Dennis Miller is it. He would have gone more into Socrates. Like, and then there's Philostrides. And, of course, you know, I, I love Aristotle. He had a great sense of timing. Do you, do you either guys like to read your old stuff from the college days, or does it make you cringe? Oh, it makes me cringe. It this doesn't is the first time know. I've read this in a long time. Well, what do you hear when you hear him reading that, by the way, Mark? He liked himself then, didn't he? Uh, he liked his language. He liked his words. He likes words. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> he's not, he's not shy about how much he loves himself. You know, I, or should he be? Should I originally uh, thought Sean would be a good addition to the show because he's such a nice He keeps you grounded. Guy. No, this is guys. Yeah, but when I walked in here today, you tried to get me to eat dog food. <laughs> I, didn't, I, just, I didn't get you. I just said and, this is a sponsor. You said, hey, look this at this is, bag. It says grillers made with made real with steak. It's made with real steak. I need a safe zone. I thought <laughs> Ann Arbor was all about safe zones. You're in my safe zone. You're using trigger words, and I feel... 
trigger words. I feel insecure. In fact, I may rush a fraternity. What, vanity? <laughs> Vanity's a trigger word. No, I, uh, by the way, I love Vanity was one of the hottest members yes. of uh, Prince's entourage. No, I'm just, I couldn't get over the dog treats, so that's what it was. It, nothing against Pink Floyd. They're wonderful. They're fine. Well, anyway, so I wrote this column and it got, got people. So what were they, what was the overall point of the, just how bad fraternities are? And they got mad at that? I'm shocked. Uh, at, at the risk of, of more, uh, more um, recriminations, I'm going to dive back in. Um, <laughs> yeah, please do. In all fairness, some Greeks are independent and break from the norm if the other fellows in the house say it's okay. At one house, I asked a brother <laughs> if he thought the house had a lot of diverse personalities. He said no, and that was what he liked about the frat. The Greek anthem, Sending the Clone, still resonates through my head. This memory forces itself to the forefront of my mind like a pledge in line to buy socks for his big brother at Neiman Marcus. It's fun to play jokes on Greeks, though. They have a good sense of humor. Not. At that time, it was still clever to say say not. not, Things like, your Weegians are untied, always bring a smile to the face of jovial Greeks. Your hair's out of place, however, is regarded as unfunny and likely to cause a panic and blah, 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 blah. And how was that received when they wanted to, when they protested over you? Yeah. Pro- you probably like that, which I would, I'd so, be proud if I got Depending on where you win in East Lansing, you might see something written above a urinal like, Elric was right. And then at one time I went into a classroom where it said Elric rules on the chalkboard. And then there was rumors of the Greeks having a bash, ML Elric bash. So uh, what about the adults uh, that were your bosses? Did they appreciate it? It was all student run. It we, was. We just had one old dude who was the general manager who kind of watched the uh, the money coming and going. He was not very is this, happy about Is this the state news? The state is that what news, it was? Yes. Yeah. And then I ran for editor-in-chief uh, a couple years later, and my candidacy was undone partly because of this column and partly because of a column I'd written about a previous editor-in-chief who had done some fairly reprehensible things. And my column was about incompetence. And the first letter of every paragraph spelled out, Kevin Roberts sucks. And Kevin <laughs> Roberts was the How mature. So, uh, yeah. So when somebody. That's, none of this is shocking. So right. somebody found out about that. They used that to torpedo my candidacy. And so I ended up starting they, my own they, paper. They really noticed each line began with it. Or did you tell somebody and it got around? So here's a little something that people should keep in mind. that Once you tell one person something, yeah. it's no longer no, a secret. No, no, no. So a buddy who I told about, who thought it was great, went and told another guy about it at a party. He's like, hey, is it cool to tell John about this? I'm like, I really don't think we should. No. He's like, he's like, no, it's cool. John's cool. So he tells John. Well, of course, it turns out John also harbored ambitions to be the editor-in-chief. Oh. But John was smarter than all of us because John told his roommate, who also harbored ambitions to be editor-in-chief. And I was on a uh, on a uh, apartment um, a hunting trip for a uh, internship or over the Christmas break. And when I came home, John's roommate, the uh, somewhat ambitious and ruthless roommate had sent me a, he'd CC'd me on a letter he sent to the board of directors with a copy of the column with all the letters circled oh, wrapped in a piece of state news stationery that said, Merry Christmas, Mike. <laughs> oh, dick. <laughs> so, uh, so two things to keep in mind, uh, cornerstones of my investigative reporting career. Once you tell one person it's not a secret, and accountability is a bitch. And leave the Greeks alone. I married one, so thanks for the advice. Yeah, I mean, a little you know, late. The, uh, sorority. the Greeks on campus. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. How do they still exist in, in 2019? How do they still exist? I'm surprised they haven't been wiped off of campuses yet. Well... I saw a video yesterday or the day before of the Proud Boys down in Orlando walking to a Trump rally. I mean, you know, 
kind of the same thing. Who are the proud well, boys? I, I, I picture the baby folks, elephant. Folks, folks that like to be around people that only look like themselves. Yeah. So you know, frats. Well, some of these some of these associations are professional. You know, like so I went to the. I played softball a lot when I was at state, and, and we had our names on our jerseys. And I went to a, a summer party at the at the farmhouse frat, which is A G R Alpha Gamma Rho Agar. You know, oh, for Agar, neat. Yeah, and they were kind of more of a you know we're only going to be here for two years. We have common interests. You know, let's network, whatever. It's trade tips on what the proper temperature is in the hog breeding you know <laughs> barn. And they saw me with my name on the back, and they said, you know, that's pretty funny. And I said, no, I'm I'm really him. He said, you got a lot of balls being here. I said, well, you got a lot of beer, so I'm here. But um, but then the engineering frat, you know, they're more of a networking type thing. Although I know a guy, uh, I guess association, really. It's I know a, a great guy who got booted from the engineering frat because he didn't like to drink enough. Really? So even the nerds are kind of uh, tools, huh? Yeah. It's, well, I guess if that if that's the purpose, then it's a little different. So, Mark, you're surprised though that they're still this is still part of campus life. I kind well mainly because, and as we'll talk later. Uh, universities, certain universities like to eradicate anything that is deemed uh, non-PC, and I would think that fraternities and sororities would fall in that line, especially because they don't really do much for the university itself. Well, they pass out free roofies. Damn. <laughs> well, Damn. and you mentioned they do charity work, but a lot of times I think that's to they do. counterbalance the other stuff. Well, yeah, the I, other I think stuff. a lot of people yeah. get into fraternities and sororities because they're shy. The houses are really cool. You know, there's a lot of really nice looking people there. They're very social. And I think if you are, so the ironic thing is if, if you're sort of reserved and you want to plug yourself into a social network, a fraternity or sorority is a really good thing to do. But then once you get into that network, it kind of becomes, well, now that you're in the network, the people outside of the network, yeah, we don't really care that much. And some of the uh, some of the 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 panhellenic frats, the black frats and sororities, for the women in in the sororities, what was that word? what's that? What was that word? Big word you just used? I think, I think it's panhellenic council. Sure, but the uh, the women in the sororities, that's a lifelong thing. I mean, you have women who are it becomes a huge professional thing. I mean, they're mm. they're meeting their sisters from all over the country, and it's a really, I mean, it's it's a very powerful organization. And uh, and I don't know, it's, it's so, somewhat with the, the black frats too, but when I was at State, some of the initiations, you know, the, the, the guys, the, the white, because they pretty much were all white frats, had you do some really creepy things like drink this or, you know, Elephant wear this, yeah, stupid shit like that. But some of the black frats, I mean, there was branding and some of the stuff yeah. that these guys would go through was like, you have to be up for 48 hours. I mean, it was pretty... It was pretty extreme, and uh, whenever you see a news story on a fraternity, it's never a positive one. Yeah, no, like the one a couple of years ago out of U of M, where they were what somewhere up north up, and no, trashed yeah, the, or yeah, yeah, the mm-hmm. lodge or hotel. Yeah, was it well, treetops? Yeah, LSU Although there was death, also some suspicion that treetops wanted them to trash the place yeah, because they, they were having some financial right. problems, and they encouraged them like, "Come on up, boys, and have a good time." They found the right people, though. Yeah. <laughs> Give yeah, him, I, mean, I give him credit for that. Then. Right, it's right. Pretty, if somebody lays a gun diabolical. in front of you and says it'd be nice if somebody shot my friend in the face, that doesn't obligate uh, obligate <laughs> no. you to empty a clip in some other dude's skull. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so yeah, so we kind of we kind of stirred the pot. But as in most institutions, they don't, you know, the, the higher ups don't like that kind of thing. Did you ever get in trouble writing? Not in college. No, I was. Uh, I didn't write in college. I mean, I wrote in classes, but I didn't work for the student newspaper. Really? Although I was taught, I was in several classes taught by the woman who kind of oversaw everything. Is that the, I, the Eastern liaison. Echo? 
Is that yeah, and then and then the same thing at the University of Texas. Yeah. Okay. But I just I studied history. It was my my major, and I ended up getting a secondary degree in journalism. But so you appreciate some of these references to ancient Greek? Well, absolutely. Greece. No, I uh, I was a freelancer. He's just trying to make himself feel. Yeah, better. I'm trying to bring it back. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to win over Sean. I'm no, still... I was a I was a freelancer later. in college. And you don't have to eat any more of those dog treats. <laughs> so here's what I did in college. I actually worked for the Free Press. Really nice. Yeah, my first assignment. Um, well, my first time at the Free Press was just answering phones from high school. Fo- excuse me, high school football colleges coaches. Sorry, on Friday night and taking the scores and the writing a paragraph, and that was really exciting back then. Prep crew to see exactly. Yeah. And then I got sent out. My first assignment was a girls' basketball game at Callahan Hall at University of, or Detroit. Mm-hmm. Mercy. I don't UDM. know if it was Mercy. Then. No, it, was it must have been a Catholic league. Yeah. It was UD then, and this and so you didn't have laptops. At least not us, right? This was a bit. Uh, there's those Tandy TRS. But they didn't give right. But they didn't give them to you us. See so this like was, three lines on the screen. Exactly. <laughs> this would have been 1990, somewhere in there. Uh-huh. And I went to the game, and I had a notebook. And uh, went to a Coney Island nearby after the game, after I you know, talked to the players and coaches, and wrote it out. And then you'd have to dictate it in. And I remember going to this Coney Island, and there was plexiglass at the edge of the counter from the counter to the ceiling sure. to separate you from the, the kitchen. And so you're sitting there writing, and then you go out to a payphone, and then you dictate it. Really? And that was, uh, that was my f- the first way I ever wrote a story. I was still in college at that point. Yeah, and I actually, you get paid 30 bucks. I don't remember what it, yeah, was, I, it was. I worked for the Free Press while in college, too, my last uh, year or so as the um, as a clerk in the Lansing Bureau, which is back when we had clerks and when we had Lansing Bureaus. And it was uh, – and pay phones. Yeah, no. But I but back then, I had a chip on my shoulder a little bit um, about student papers – about interns, I remember when I was at the Free Press on the prep crew, and they would have an intern from Northwestern or University of Missouri or mm-hmm. University of Kansas or Columbia, some of the, the, the big the, ones, the big yeah. journalism schools. And I, I had some attitude about that. And, just because uh, they knew which fork to use. Yeah, well, and they were younger. It took me a while to get through school. Let's just say that I was on the the ten year. You're going to make it, little guy. I was on the ten year. <laughs> You're going to make it. I was it. on the ten year plan. So it was a little bit of a, a little bit more. Let's just say circuitous route. Okay. That's all right. Goodbye, uh, fucking shit school. But I didn't, yeah, exactly. I didn't like, uh, I still don't like myself, but I didn't like myself anywhere near that Michael did back then. Or still does. I was full of self-loathing, which is why I would lash out at people who are obviously better, more popular, more wealthy, better dressed. Hence the, uh, the attack on the Greeks. Exactly, exactly. I was, I was expressing my own insecurities through words. I used my words... Not my hands to hurt people. And I just want to say, I was right. <laughs> I was friggin' right. We like fraternities, by the way, and sororities. Oh, do we? Well, there's some some folks may listen. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like them. Yeah. You Sorry. don't like them? I don't my, see the Michael purpose Michael secretly likes them. It doesn't, mean I, it doesn't mean the people that are in Look, them are necessarily bad. I don't like the organizations of them. You don't like the... Well, the idea of them is fine, right? And, no. and to Mike's point, no, I don't. No, no, no. Like to Mike's point, you get to campus, you're shy. There are clubs and societal organizations all over campus yeah. that serve all sorts of uh, purposes in that way. And and in theory, that's what frats and sororities are for too. Yeah, you know. But the minute you put the, they the, live the volleyball net in this in the sand on the front yard, <laughs> right, and line it up with kegs. And, oh, I almost forgot. Right after this column aired, some uh, fraternity had tied one of their guys up to a tree because he announced he was getting engaged and the fraternity had a bucket under the stairs 
on the ground floor that they everybody who threw up or shat themselves would be dumped into this bucket. Mm. And I guess it was a tradition to let it sit there and brew. And then when somebody did something crazy, like got engaged with somebody they loved, they'd chain them to a tree and then throw this on them. One of our photographers got a great photo of this happening. And that fraternity stole like 10,000 copies of the paper the next <laughs> it's day. It's probably still hanging. Yeah. So In that, uh, in that fraternity. Hey, this right here is some breaking news from the Red Shovel Network. And shit. We interrupt this programming for an important announcement about the Killers Fifth Avenue Bash, benefiting the Killer Cares Foundation, which helps out worthy causes such as Team Joseph and Defeat the Label. It's all going down Thursday, June 27th from 4.30 p.m. to 2 a.m. at Fifth Avenue, in Royal Oak, celebrity bartenders are scheduled to attend, including your very own M.L. Elric from 10 to 12 at night, Drew and the rest of the Red Shovel Network between 7 to 8. Please see us out there, Killers Fifth Avenue Bash. There's also an online auction going on at killercares.org. Visit it for more information. And now we return to your previously scheduled program. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in. And I'll never change. Ray Nut, Ray Tso, Ray Nut, Ray Tso, Ray Nut Infinity, Ray Tso Infinity plus one. No. We were talking a moment ago about kind of stuck-up, exclusive uh, organizations, fraternal, sororal, whatever. Well, there's few that are qualified for those uh, descriptors more than Harvard. But now they find themselves in the crosshairs. Maybe that's an inappropriate analogy because they have booted one of the Parkland High School survivors who they had admitted because they found that he had made some racially charged comments on social media. I'm speaking, of course, of Kyle Kushov, who is a conservative Parkland survivor, as opposed to David Hogg and some of the other kids who were advocating for gun control. He was saying, we need to have harder schools. We need to have more security there. We need more guns in the schools to protect people in the schools from the guns that aren't supposed to be in the schools. He was headed to Cambridge. Now he's not. And he says that at the same time, uh, they gave him this sort of late notice that they've withdrawn their admission. He said, well, that's great because now it's too late for me to go to any of the other schools, many of whom had offered me lucrative scholarships. So, uh... Thanks, Harvard. Um, what do you think, fellas? Is this uh, is this the right move? Can, can your words come back to haunt you, particularly when you're only 18? Well, I, I hate when people play the First Amendment argument because nobody's getting arrested or charged. That's what the First Amendment's about. And there's consequences to what you do and what you say. However, what is the correct price for this? I I have a real problem. I don't. Nobody's going to like what he said. It's ridiculous. He's a dick for saying what he needed what for what he said what did he say do we know oh I mean, he used the n-word a bunch on a google oh. document that was shared within people and in a text thread too right i mean yeah. texting like a group yeah, text yeah. thread a group text thread, not public but as ml said earlier you tell one person it's yeah it's really not no private, secrets folks private anymore um so I, I don't know what what is the correct punishment for his bad words I think this is way over the line. I think you should be allowed to say what you want, no matter how horrific it is. Let him go to your university, and maybe he'll learn. And now well, you're probably going to make him dig in more to an anti-elitist stance or whatever his stance is. He did apologize. Okay. Uh, I hate trying to figure out if someone's apology is genuine. However, he didn't apologize when it first came out two months ago. He uh, didn't. He didn't. Did he? 
No, I'm just saying, I'm sorry. Am I sorry or am I sorry you found out? You know? Well, that's a good question. Harvard actually rescinded his application, I think, on June 6th, and he just apologized You know, this week. Was he trying to go back to him? I don't know. So I guess he's sincere in his apology. I, I, well, he's definitely sorry. Is he sorry for what he said, or is he sure. sorry that he doesn't get to go to Harvard? Well, that's, that's what I mean question. about his apology. Yeah. Is he really? Uh, did he? Has he really learned? I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. I think it's. I, tough I think it's to ridiculous. Judge people based on what they said as a sixteen-year-old. Now, having said that, sixteen-year-old uh, shouldn't be talking like that either. Of course, and it's. But that's not who this kid is. It's not one thing. Sean, did you buy his explanation? Didn't he say something to the effect of, I was just trying to provoke a discussion among my friends? No, he was wasn't. never meant to be. He did, and I don't, and I don't believe that. And I don't, look, it, this is complicated for me on a, for a couple of reasons. One, I don't believe in private schools, period, Okay. at the university level. However, since we have them, they have the right to let in whomever they want. Beyond that, the very idea that he, look, universities, especially places like Harvard, Dig in and try to find out exactly who you are. That's the whole point to letting you in. It's right. not just grades. You have Sometimes to write an they essay. don't. If your last name is Bush or right, you know, right, or legacy or and all that. Exactly. In. No, but in general, it's not just the or grades. Hog. It's what you've done. It's the essay that you write. They're trying to get some kind of a picture of who you are as a 16 year old, a 17 year old, and, and maybe an 18 year old. Right. Some kids leave when they're 17. Do you think that's what led to their decision or was it the backlash once those were made public and people were saying he should not get into Harvard? Because that did happen. Was it pressure from people that were mad that he did this? It may well be pressure and they should feel that pressure. Look, I don't mind even if even if you just say, OK, look, they're going to use his use this guy, use this young man as an example. That Fine. At some point, we got to as white folks, we got to stop talking like this. Um, we got to stop talking like this to each other and thinking it's okay. That's got to stop. But you realize. It'd be nice if everybody stopped using that word because uh, not to bring Kilpatrick into every conversation, but he was at a ceremony where they buried the N-word. And if you look <laughs> yeah. at his texts, been he used it as much yeah. or more than anybody. And as Sam Riddle memorably said, if we buried the N-word in Detroit, it was buried kicking and screaming. I well, think this Black folks a- have the right to say that word. That's just how it is. I think it has a reverse effect when they say, because you use these horrible words, you're not allowed to Harvard anymore. I think people see that and then hate, you know, the university. Why? You can't go in there with C's. What's the difference? You can go in there with C's if, if you, your dad okay, was fine. president. For the, for the le- I get the legacy. Or a CEO you, or uh, you're on the rowing team. If you write an essay mom that mom was on a you, shitty sitcom. If you write an essay that doesn't suggest a certain level of competence, you're not going to get in. Sure. I mean, their parameters... I don't, I don't have any problem with it at all. Well, see, here's my concern, and I don't know what the answer is, is did they begrudgingly let him in because he's very conservative and they're just like, God, you know, we really don't like to have these people with these conservative viewpoints here at Harvard. And now, fi- thank you. Thank you for giving us the excuse. We weren't sure we wanted you here in the first place. Now we found this stuff out, so we're blowing you off. I would have a real problem with it if this if the ulterior motive is – you know, we we don't want people who think about guns and about things like this on our campus, and that would be a shame well, because he's not the only one there. That no, there's a, I'm sure there's know, all sorts of. But conservative I think if you go to that campus, campus, how many? If you were to break down the ratio of students at Harvard or Yale or any of these Ivy League schools, Yale's more who are, conservative than who are Harvard. Very conservative, yeah, because they got they got two guys who are in the NRA out of whatever <laughs> ten thousand. But if you were to break down these campuses. 
on who's liberal and who's conservative, I guarantee you the liberal side of the scale sure. tips heavy. But having said that, guys like Gorsuch and uh, and Kavanaugh did go to these Ivy League colleges. Yes, they so did. They, they do have those guys there, and, and they have their societies. But but I guess uh, private institution, you're entitled to do what you want. Does anybody concern that this happened at a time when all his other opportunities are gone, that they've kind of left this guy hanging? Well, no, because they made the decision, and I think it was the Office of Diversity at Harvard that actually sent him the letter. So this, make no bones about it, this is what got him booted. Yeah. Um, you know, using pretty bad language. That's what they have on the record is booting him, yeah. But they knew he was conservative before they admitted him, so, so yeah. that's not a surprise. Yeah, and they don't care about that, I don't think. They're about plenty of cons- political viewpoint? Yeah, they're plenty no, conservative students on, on that campus. Boy, on those Ivy League campuses. I think the ratio's way out of whack. Well, way. maybe, the, I don't know about I out of I would agree whack. with that. The, I agree the ratio is, is leans liberal for sure. Wouldn't it be better, though, for the university to put out a statement about it, which, I'm, you know, they're not going to comment on uh, applicants in general, but to still allow him? Wouldn't it be better for him to just, you know, kind of say this language is unacceptable, however? He's on double public he can, probation? He can learn that at another school, and there are plenty of other schools he can go get into right now. I well, think the other thing, too, is this only became public because of him, right? He doesn't have they, a right to Harvard. Have, they couldn't have shared any of this information. You're correct, but they already accepted him. What did. It, so what is the correct punishment for this becoming public? I mean, the kid's been shamed. Well, I, I think I, I think if they tough. if they think none of the liberal kids on campus have used the N word, they're mistaken. Yeah, because, and if that came out, they'd be booted yeah. too. Uh, I don't. Okay. Let's see. I don't know about that. We so uh, so Sean uh, coming down with the hammer. Mark, uh, sort of, I think, okay with it. and I'm, I don't like the kid, but I feel bad for him. I'm not so sure. So there's, I feel bad for him this way. He was clearly raised that way. Now those I don't, I'm not saying his parents. I'm saying somewhere in his yeah. childhood. It was okay he, to use that exactly. word. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's unacceptable. And, that, and, it, that, and that's the problem. That's, that's what underlines all of this. So you're saying you do not welcome him in Ann Arbor? <laughs> no, he's, it's fine. He can come to Ann Arbor. He can go wherever he wants. Except Harvard. Right. Okay, so... uh, It's public. Clear as mud, and there's your great debate. (laughs) Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek, or we're turning into cool guys? I was really tempted this week to make anybody who follows O.J. Simpson on Twitter our geek of the week, but we just, we just don't have that many certificates to pass out. Cause I think well, and I'd be like one of them half a million. And I also was trying to be kind to Mark because you know, he Wait, can't. why can't you follow the juice on Twitter? Because he has the right to say whatever he wants to say. And I think the way to get him to stop saying anything is you take the air out of the room. You just let him, there's an old saying, you let a guy punch himself out, let him say whatever he has well, to he, say. And if we don't pay attention, he'll be, He'll be the murderer who fell in the woods that no one convicted. I'm still fascinated by the guy. Well, anyways, we... we uh, <laughs> You're not fascinated by the ego? We're letting Mark of off O.J. Simpson? Mark may be uh, our first uh, in-house Geek of the Week next week. We're going to take this under <laughs> oh, believe consideration. Me, I was. But this week's Geek of the Week is um, Desh Valson. And I, I don't even care whether I'm saying that right, because she has created an abomination... The Miss Dog Mom USA. Yes, the very first pageant to celebrate people who are too crazy about dogs with stupid 
uh, breeds like Yappy Doodles, uh, 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 Pit Schnauzers. Thank you, sir, but um, we don't want any of these dogs. Just Good luck getting rid of them. Horrible, outrageous things. None of these dogs weighing more than 30 pounds. This is something where you you kind of feel like saying, yeah, this is a joke, right? Well, no, uh, I'm quoting from the New York Times. This was a serious event. Any high comedy that ensued the moment when a three-pound bug-eyed chihuahua named Valdemort decided to stop walking, for instance, forcing his owner to drag him across the stage like a dust bunny on a string, was purely incidental. Uh, yeah, when dogs become ornaments, that's kind of that's <sighs> when I'm done with it. So Miss Valson is a former Miss Teen USA candidate. Of course. Yes, yeah, so she already knew a thing or two about the dog world. In 2015, again quoting from the New York Times, she started her luxury dog events company, Chase and Pappy, named for her two chihuahuas. Chase and Pappy, I guess that would be Little Pappy, holds fancy yappy hour parties around Manhattan in oh, private lofts and in the lobbies of glossy apartment buildings. Dog owners pay $65 for an open bar, appetizers, and a catered dog buffet. Oh, look at that little puppy. He's so cute. So when she announces this thing, people don't laugh. They come running. Over 300 people signed up. Most of them dropped out after they learned that there's a heavy time commitment and the costs. 350 bucks to enter. Three costume changes for themselves and their dogs. Themselves. It's and always professional glamour shots with their pups for use in promotional materials. How embarrassing. <sighs> One of the contestants. I blame Paris Hilton for all. This. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, she's kind of a yappy doodle herself. <laughs> Someone should carry her around in a purse. Oh God, a purse that smells like a fart in a glove. What a was fart that? Fart in a mitten. A fart in right. a mitten. Yes. Jeez, oh Pete, one of the all-time great Drew and Mike drops. Um, so one of the contestants was a fifty-something former Rockette named Leslie Riddle, who had a Yorkie poo named Puccini. Uh, a Yorkie poo? It's a rescue dog, at least. Uh, can you imagine somebody deciding they didn't want a Yorkie poo after they already got it? Yes, I can imagine that. He's the reigning most photogenic champion of Barking Beauties, a dog show held every summer in the Hamptons. Okay, folks, uh, before I vomit, I'm just going to wrap this up. The winner was a woman named um, uh, Ms. Ducasse, a full-time Ooh. dog walker and founder of the East New York Dog Lovers, a nonprofit that provides fostering services for East New York residents dealing with job loss or evictions. I think it, was, it sounds like it was fixed. She said that people from the neighborhood banded together to raise money for her entry fee and her evening wear. A friend had stayed up every night for three weeks sewing Bella's ball gown, a puff of peach taffeta, pink oh feathers. My God plastic butterflies, and rose gold spangles that Bella immediately began to scratch with her fuzzy gray leg after Ms. Ducasse snapped her in. Dog doesn't want to wear that. It took a village to get us here, Ms. Ducasse said. The only thing I will say for it is... have a life where you could do that kind of crap. Ms. Ducasse is nice looking and I think could possibly find some better company than this... Mutt. Although I will say the mutt had enough sense to try and take this crap off. Well, that dog wants to leave. So, Desh Valson, Miss Dog Mom USA, you're our Geek of the Week. Time. 
This week's selection in Room 7609 is inspired by our host, uh, Drew Lane, uh, also known as Drew Wave, because it touches on a little something that he finds particularly appealing. And it's by a band named The Beautiful South, who's the derivative band of a great band that came before them called the House Martins. So here's The Beautiful South with 36D. <laughs> is that really what it's about? Yeah. Really? Listen. There needs to be more friend. songs about boobs. Oh, it's not an apartment number? <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, it's... Well, they know what they're doing. This week's Room 7609 is sponsored by Dr. Roche. <laughs> So far, be so far. 
So there you have it, the best of new wave music. Great music, clever lyrics, a little sarcasm. Even the band's name is sarcastic because these guys are uh, from Hull, which is in the north of England. And so their whole thing, the beautiful south, you know, everybody in England says it's London, 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 London. So they're, and now, of course, the best music in England came out of Manchester. So we can sell that debate right can I, here. Can I ask a really dumb new wave question? Sure. What are the American New Wave bands? They all seem to be UK or Australia. Oh, no, there's a lot of great ones. I mean, there's Missing Persons. Okay. You know, you could argue Blondie's a New Wave band. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of great New Wave bands from the U.S. Um, we probably should play. And we, we actually, we've featured two bands from Wales. So we're really <laughs> kind of reaching deep into the U.K. But, um, yeah, I mean, is Men Without Hats a New Wave band? I don't know, but they're Canadian. But, um, but yeah, maybe we should feature some more huh. American artists. But uh, but New Wave kind of was, the name suggests it's another wave from Britain because there's the British invasion yep. and this is the second wave from Britain. It's the New Wave. So you are going to have a lot of very English-influenced, um, if not outright British, bands in there. And the, uh, the, uh, the Beautiful South are sort of formed from the remnants of the House Martins, who were also a great band. One of the guys in the House Martins people may be more familiar with which is Fat Boy Slim. Oh, really? He was a bass player for the House Martins. I did Martins. not know that. And so now he kind of went on his own way, too. So a lot of good things coming out of the beautiful South and, uh, you know, the, 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 the political commentary, sort of the uh, observations on life, all kind of pack, packaged up in a sweet little poppy package. So that's huh. that, to me, is sort of the essence of New Wave. So uh, I'm sure you've never heard of the beautiful South. If you have, God bless you. Welcome Back to room 7609. <laughs> but that's what we're here for, is to bring some of these these underappreciated tunes into the forefront to make you think about it. And I must say, while some people really get on our butt about this, this uh, segment, many people love it. They love it! Yeah, give us your feedback. So if you have a suggestion for us, let us know. You can hit us up at ml at soulofdetroit.com. You can leave us a message at 313-Butterfield-89070. That's 288-9070. Uh, we always want your feedback. Uh, <laughs> we heard from uh, from D. Jones, who says, I can't say I'm much of a new wave guy. Pretty much no interest whatsoever. But I heard a great cover of So Alive by Love and Rockets. Way better than the original, if you ask me. But I'll leave that to the expert. Okay, uh, DJ, I'm going to take that under... Um, under advisement, but the original So Alive by Love and Rockets is great. And Love and Rockets, of course, is one of the derivative bands from Bauhaus, which is, uh, I lost a bet on at a bar, um, at a, a kind of a new wavy goth bar, about which brothers are in Love and Rockets. I thought it was uh, Kevin Ash and uh, one of the other guys, it turns out. Who won the bet? Daniel Ash. Who won the bet? Uh, my Do dad. we know this person? Uh, no, but... Oh. Um, 
I play hockey with her, her boyfriend now, but, uh, She's cool. He's cool. And uh, so, so are Love and Rockets. So we're going to check that out, Dave. Seems to be way more to that story. Thanks yeah, for the no. yeah, family show. So e- <laughs> thank you very much for the uh, the email. Um, we heard from Brian, who says, Great piece on Kwame. Only you said without need you were not trying to pile on him. I don't understand why you added that as if somehow he has had enough or as if beating a dead horse. Shame him every day for a thousand years, if you like. And by the way, it's history forgotten that leads to history repeated. Great reporting as always from Brian. Brian, thank you very much. We go from Brian to Amory. Oh boy. Oh nine. Tell Michael Bellotta to shut the hell up. Kwame helped the city of Detroit no matter what he or anyone says. All the corrupt politicians, there's been been since the beginning. There's some some grammatical errors there. Kwame brought so much to the city of Detroit. Downtown Detroit is thriving because of Kwame, etc. Wow. Kwame did nothing different than the white man has done and still doing. Kwame definitely helped more than most. Tell Michael Bellotta to go after whom deserves it, Trump. Kwame went to jail because he's not a snitch. Yes, Kim Worthy and the rest still standing because Kwame not a snitch. All the money, all these people stealing all through Congress and every damn near city official. Doesn't make it okay. Kwame locked up (laughs) because someone had to take the fall. I'm not saying he's not done anything wrong, but nothing different all the others are doing and done. The same white privilege shit is another reason Kwame's behind bars. Michael Bellotta, shut the F word up. (laughs) And she did not type out F word. Well, um, um... a Marie, uh, so I just I guess I can just tell you that almost all of that is wrong, but we really appreciate you listening. Uh, you know, we'll those, agree to disagree. Yeah, unless those, she disagrees on that. Those downtown streets that got fixed up actually, Kilpatrick gave some contracts to his friends who didn't deserve them. They didn't do some of the work they were supposed to. We paid for that. Some businesses didn't come downtown because they didn't want to deal with Kilpatrick. I, I just I, I you lose me in an argument when it's. Well, this guy's doing it, too. It's like, well, yeah, that guy sucks, too. It doesn't mean you're allowed to do it. Oh, I, So when I was at the Free Press and we were doing some stories exposing Fakano, white guy, um, <laughs> I would hear that uh, from the Fakano people, like, people have been doing this forever. Why do you care about it? I said, well, guess what? I wasn't here then. Yeah. I'm here now. And we're going to impose some standards. We're going to actually expect you to do what you said you're going to do and to follow the law. So there was a new sheriff in town. So guess what? The fact that somebody did it before just means that somebody got away with it. Do we let everybody get away with it? We can't catch every murderer. So do we stop prosecuting people who kill other people? Amory, we really appreciate it. I, I, do you know how to donate to our podcast? <laughs> you can find that at mlsolvedetroit.com. But thank you very much for your email. We do welcome opposing viewpoints. Yeah. Yeah, we're we not just, Harvard. It's okay. We just wanted to be kind of fact-based if, uh, if it's not asking too much. Uh, reaching deep into the mailbag. To uh, Daniel, who says he really enjoyed listening to the Bob Berg story about Joel Lewis Arena and Coleman Young, and it reminded him of how his hometown of Romulus had a hand in getting Comerica Park built in Detroit. This gives us a little insight, I think, into the Illich family, uh, who have been taking some heat for the slow development of District Detroit. Daniel writes, in 1983, my mother was elected mayor of the city of Romulus, a position she held for 12 years. During her tenure, Mike Illich was struggling in his negotiations with then-Mayor Dennis Archer regarding funding for Comerica Park. It seemed that Archer was playing hardball with Illich and would not budge. My mom arranged a meeting with Mr. Illich and proposed to pay for the ballpark, along with John Dingle's help, would work to get a new interchange constructed on I-94 near the property, which is now the Vining Road exit. 
if he would help locate the stadium on a piece of vacant land in the city. I remember my mother saying that while Mr. Illich was impressed with the offer, he was determined to locate the stadium in Detroit. With that being said, Mr. Illich used the situation to his advantage, and Mr. Illich and the city publicized their meeting, and he even went out and walked the proposed site, making sure he was seen. And when he says the city, I think he means the city of Romulus. The next day, the press was all over it. Needless to say, that seemed to force Archer back off his demands, and the rest is history. But the Detroit mayor had a severe dislike for the mayor of Romulus from that day forward. So, love the podcast. Thanks for your time, Daniel. The love goes right back to you, my That's man. Fascinating. So, uh, so reach out to us, folks. We want to hear from you. We appreciate you listening. Um, thanks for supporting our sponsors. If you want to become a sponsor, just go to the website and donate. And please listen to all the Red Shovel Network shows. That's Drew and Mike podcast, Eli, Denny, and Bob's No Filter Sports, and of course Charlie Ladoff's No Bullshit News Hour. You've been listening to the Red Shovel Network. Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? And listen to Wheaties man, Mark Fellhauer, inviting you to listen Monday night to John Windsor in Night Beat on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then.